simplify, automate, or delegate, or templatize. If there is a way to do that, then your workflows are going to get, every time you're making this little improvement, they're going to get better and better and better. Hello, hello. This is your host, Dyutama, and welcome to My Food Lens podcast, where we talk about everything from food photography, styling to business and mindset. After 15 years as an architect, I switched careers and I'm now a professional food stylist and food photographer based in Singapore. I'm also the founder of the business My Food Lens, where we help clients elevate their brand through drool-worthy photos. My motto is, put your best food forward. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi, guys. Today, we are talking to Bennett Rickard, and she's a food and product photographer based in Washington, D.C. area. And you know what I call her? I call her Fabulous Fennet because Fennet is fabulous because she brings something so unique to the table that most creatives don't. And you know what that is? She brings systems to the tables. I know we hate systems. We're all running away from anything that has anything to do with technology. We just want to take photos and create and be artistic and be in that creative zone of genius. But no. Finette makes us realize how important everything else is. If we want to become better in photography, if we want to up our own technique and skills, if we want to find clients and how we can turn them into returning clients. Today, Finette is going to share everything about this with us. And why I call her fabulous is because Finette brings with her such a rich and diverse background. Do you know that Finette, was a scuba diving instructor in Thailand. And before that, she was an admin assistant. And then at one point, she was an underwater videographer. So she's just like full of experiences. She is such a good balance of technology and creativity. And I just can't wait to have this conversation with her because I think that she's going to bust some bubbles for us. She's going to show us the mirror. She's going to tell us the truth. And she's going to tell us exactly what we need to think about if we want to run a successful and a profitable photography business. All right. So with that, on to Finette. Hi, Finette. Welcome to My Food Lens Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. I've heard so much about you and it's quite surreal to have you sitting in front of me because the world knows you as the food and product photographer. But for me, in my world, you're the queen of systems. (laughs) You are the person who makes us love what we hate. You're the one who tells us what we need to like and what we're missing out on. Because as creatives, we hate technology and you make us realize how important it is. So you can understand how excited I am to have this conversation with you today. And I'm running out of breath because I'm so excited. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. (laughs) If you can tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us audience where they can find you, who you are, where are you based and all the good stuff. Wow, that is the best introduction ever. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm the geeky person who talks about nobody wants to hear. So I'm glad to know that you enjoy that. So my name is Fanette. I am a food and product photographer. I am originally from France, but I moved to, well, I moved a lot, but currently I am in the US, in Virginia, close to Washington, D.C. I started photography about eight years ago now. I think we might get into what I did before because I my, it's a long story. I did a lot of stuff. <laughs> so, but I think we'll get, I'm sure we'll get some stories in this podcast. So thank you so much for having me. It's a true pleasure. And I'm very excited to dive in all the stuff that I geek about. And I'm happy to know that you enjoy as well. <laughs> it's amazing that you use the word dive in because 
you've gone from so many different professions, including scuba diving, <laughs> and now you're into food photography and product photography. So tell us, how did diving take you to food photography? What was the journey like? I started my career as an executive assistant. I, oh my God, I did so many different things. I was actually studying history and sociology, and my mom was working for a business bank, and they needed somebody to come in for the summer to do some filing and helping out with, uh, with some of the work. And I started as a summer intern and I stayed in that business bank for seven years as an executive secretary. And that's basically where I learned how to get stuff organized because I was basically managing eight to 10 people at times and their agenda and, you know, their calls and so many. So anyway, I did that for seven years. It was not my passion, believe it or not. I did not enjoy it as much as you'd think. No, it was, it was really not. I did not like that. But it was an interesting time. I learned a lot. But at some point, I realized that I didn't want to do that for my life. So I decided to leave and take a break and go travel. So I decided to, I bought myself some tickets for a round-the-world trip. That was for one year, and that was 18 years ago, and I am yet to return from that trip. <laughs> wow. <So laughs> That's amazing. That trip took me to Thailand, where I became a scuba diving instructor, and where I met my husband, who's American. And that's why I'm in the US now. So it's a very roundabout trip that took me to food photography. That's amazing. So how long have you been a food photographer? How long have you been in the industry? I would say about eight, eight years. I started, so I started for a friend, actually. I was working when we came back to the US. I couldn't be a scuba diver anymore, but I also knew I didn't want to be a executive assistant. So I kind of had to figure out what I was going to do. And I fumbled my way. I did a few jobs here and there, but nothing really was exciting to me. And then a friend of mine, which I don't even remember how that came about, but he was looking for somebody to help out with his business. He was running a business. Uh, he had products that he was selling online mostly. And he needed somebody that was a little techie to help him with computer stuff and some social media stuff. And Oh, his team was a little bit older, so they didn't quite know what to do with social media. So they said, Fennet, do you want to come in? And so I did. And it was really fun. And it, I see you have that camera that you yeah, log around everywhere with you. Would you like to use it and take pictures of my products for me? And I was like, sure, I, that sounds like something I could do. And inside, I was screaming like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I went home and I watched like hours of creative live and, you know, tutorials on YouTube. And I, try to figure it out. And I think I spent like a week just watching tutorials. And then I shot my first images of his products and they were terrible, but he was very happy. So that's kind of how I started. And that was about 10 years ago. And then after that, I kept on working for him, but I did other things. And then I started working as a freelance photographer. And that's kind of how it took off, really. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see this photography thing coming. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's worked out so beautifully. But so tell us a little bit about, this was very like serendipitous. It, it happened by itself kind of things just fell into place, right? So what were your struggles in the beginning or what do you think would be the biggest struggles for people who are establishing a new photography business and what came your way? Oh, the beginnings were not easy. I mean, it was easy in a way because I was making the pictures for my friends. But as soon as I started looking for freelance work, then that became a little bit more complicated. And of course, the first struggle that I had was finding clients and figuring out where to find clients. And in that way, serendipity came my way again, because I was doing some work on local platform called Thumbtack, where you get to, um, there's like job listings for local food jobs. And I was talking about that with a friend of my husband. And he said, well, that's a nice platform, but have you tried Upwork? And I was like, oh, no, I've never heard of this platform. And he said, well, I worked there for five years and there's a lot of work on there. You should really try. And he coached me into kind of getting started on the platform. And really, my first big clients were, or big at that time, were definitely on Upwork. So that was my first struggle was finding clients. But then once you find a client, you have to price, which is always a struggle for a lot of us. And then 
when you've done all that and you've done the job, then you have to run your business. That means doing your accounting and your taxes and all that kind of stuff. So I think those are the three main struggles that I had were finding clients, pricing and running the actual business. And I think that's from what I hear from my followers and my readers is the struggle that a lot of photographers have today. And that's so true. So every time I read your emails, I have two thoughts. One is that I've got to learn how to do this if I need to like create more, create better, get efficient, be more systematic. So you make me want to learn a particular system. But then the second thought is like, I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) You know, so there is, and I'm sure that a lot of creatives think like that. So when you transitioned into photography, you went into a very creative field. Of course, you took your knowledge of you know, all the systems that you gained while you were an admin assistant, but how did you decide that this would become your teaching niche? Like this is what you wanted to teach because most photographers would end up teaching something more creative or artistic, or you, you went into something which was like uncharted territory. <laughs> how did you do that? And so I actually didn't really decide. At the time I was working with Rachel Karinek from Two Love Studio. She was coaching me. And we were on a call one day and we were talking about a job that I landed on Upwork. And we had talked about other jobs before and she paused and she said, you're having a lot of success on this platform and all the photographers that I talk to do not. You're doing something that is working. Why don't you write an ebook about it? And before that, I had never thought of teaching anything, but she pointed out that I, I had something that others didn't. And when I did the ebook, it was not really about, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to see what it would be like to write an ebook and, and kind of, I like trying new things. So I thought, oh, that's a fun idea. But it really is what started my travel to education. I, I, I don't know. I never thought of it before. But then when I realized that I was like the oddball photographer who's also organized. I realized that there was something there that was not being taught to other photographers and a lot of people were struggling with this. That's kind of how it came about. It was just an idea from Rachel one day who said, you should really write an ebook about this. That's incredible. And you took action on it and you created that ebook and I'm pretty sure it was a success. Oh my God, it sold out like crazy. Yeah. I had to pull it <laughs> off because it was just so, so... So my thing was that I wanted to teach what I was doing differently, but I sold like 250 copies. Wow. Yeah, and it was like all food photographers. So I'm like, if there's 250 food photographers out there that are doing the same thing, it's not special anymore. So I just stopped selling the ebook. It was just, it didn't work anymore. So you started with that ebook, but today you have like... I think three main coaching programs. Is that right? So I have one coaching program and two digital products at this time. So literally that ebook has converted into so many different courses and programs that are helping food photographers and it's taking them through the entire spectrum, right? So it's, it's right from how they can set up a business. Then they are going and finding their clients. It's elevating that experience, turning clients into returning clients, and just all of this turning into a big profitable business. It's almost like you've taken all your struggles, you've taken all that you faced in the beginning, and you've made it easy for all food photographers. I mean, tell us your top tips on how to improve photography workflow. All right. And then how do you think that can help us in maybe finding clients and then ultimately grow our business? What would be your top tip for that? So I think the main goal of having nice workflows and good client experience is to make it as easy as possible for the client. Ultimately, when you make it easy for the client, also make it easy for yourself. So the things that I recommend my photographers when they find that their workflows or their client experience is not great is to look at what they're doing and pay attention to the sticky points. What is always like, oh, I can never get this right, or this is not working. So start with that. And then the parts that are where the clients always come with questions. Like if clients always have questions about a part of your workflow, then it's not clear. Something is not working. You're not communicating something right. So pay attention to all those questions. And then What I recommend also is at the end of each project, if you're just starting or more likely every month or every quarter, 
have a look back at your projects and pay attention. Take a piece of paper and write down what, what went well and what did not. And what did not went well, make sure to think about how you can simplify, automate, or templatize. And those are my three answers to everything. Simplify, automate, or delegate, or templatize. If there is a way to do that, then your workflows are going to get, every time you're making this little improvement, they're going to get better and better and better. But you can't just finish a project thing, oh, that didn't go well, and then not do anything about it. Because a lot of us do that. We're like, oh, that was not a great project. Okay, on to the next. That doesn't really fix the problem. So you really need to take the time to think about what doesn't work and how can you make it better. Because I think ultimately your clients will come back if they're happy with your images. But if it was hell working with you because you're so disorganized, then maybe they will not come back. But if it was great images and working with you was easy and enjoyable, then you got yourself a client that will return. And have in your experience, do you think that there's ever one's weighed out the other? So you could have like average work, but if your client experience is phenomenal, you will still have the returning client. But if you're Work is phenomenal and your client experience is average, you may or may not have. Like, have you had that kind of an experience? What's your take on that? So I think the quality of your work is really subjective, but the quality of your client experience, not so much. So it's some people, like your work is good for someone. There's always someone that is going to think that your work is good. There's very different levels of photographers. There's also different levels of clients. Some clients are just beginning in their businesses and they don't need a big production photography with like splashes and stuff like that. So it's, it's really, I believe that there's different levels of photographies, but there are also different levels of businesses. So I think there's a photographer for everybody and a, and a client for everybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think finding a balance between where you are at at with your photography and making sure that you provide a good client experience is going to make sure that you are getting clients and that they will come back to you. Oh, that's such a great point. So we talked about how automation and templates or delegation can help us in our workflow. How do you think, Fenet, can these three things help us in finding clients? How can these systems help us in finding clients in our business? So I think the delegation helps you create time. So if you are busy, you know, creating Instagram posts all the time, then you don't have time to focus on finding clients. I think delegation is key. Make sure that if you can, you pass on some of the busy work to somebody who doesn't need to be you because to find clients, to talk to clients, it needs to be you. But for the busy work, it doesn't need to be you. So delegating, I think, is really about freeing time and freeing up your mind to the important things as well. Automating is, well, it's also about time management. I don't do it anymore so much because my clients have changed a little bit. But when I started and I had a lot of inquiries, my replies were automated so that when I would receive an an inquiry, they would automatically receive an email saying, thank you so much for inquiring. I would love to work with you. This is some information about my business. So now I work with higher paying clients, so I have a lot less of them, but I try to really tailor everything I do for them. So it's a bit different now, but I think automating can really help you with creating that first touch point quickly. Because when you are starting and you have a lot of inquiries and a lot of things to do, you can be a little bit in the weeds. And if you reply to an inquiry 48 hours later, you have probably missed that client. And then the last one was templates. The templates is a part of the automation for me. So I have many templates that cover like my, I have a welcome guide. I have a service guide. I have a proposal template. I have mood boards. I love templates. Um, So... (laughs) I think they're also saving you a ton of time. For example, your welcome guide is your first real touch point with your client. And it just shows how professional and how together you have it. And I think it's super important. Wow. So it's just these three key things can help you make time to find clients and then to deliver a good client experience so they want to come back to you. That's amazing. Love it. How much of this is about having a mindset? So on a scale of one to 10, 
How much would you say mindset matters when you're running a photography business and working with clients? Like we've been talking about technology and applications and automation, delegation, but what about us and what our mindset is around this? How much does that matter? It's super important because first of all, we are creatives. So we tend to, we tend to have that imposter syndrome thing. We all have it. I have bad news for you. It doesn't go away. I talk with some top photographers and they still have it a little bit. I mean, a lot less than when you get started, but it's right. still it's still there and you still have doubts. So, but um, you need to make sure that you're you're working on your mindset because otherwise that imposter syndrome can creep back in and it can really stop you from doing what you want. And also, if you don't believe in yourself and you don't trust yourself, how are you going to convince the client that you're the right person for the job? You really need to have a solid, like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I'm the person for this job. I'm going to get it kind of thing. And sometimes you have to fake it because we don't always right. think like this, you know, but you yes. have to make yourself think it because ultimately what you have to offer is amazing. And if that person comes to you, it's because they don't know how to do what it is you do. So you have a ton of value and you just need to remember it. And what I like to do is I have my followers and my readers are amazing and they send me little love notes quite often. Oh. And so do my clients keep those. I have a little note where I keep all those things. And when I feel like crap, then I go into that place <laughs> and I read those things and it makes me feel better. Also a good song, very loud in my headset. I dance in my studio when I'm feeling a yes. little bit down. It does wonders. Oh, wow. Okay. So those love notes. Just having those little nuggets of motivation, feeling like you're making a difference and that you're you're good. That's exactly <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, I'm gonna follow that. <laughs> uh, but, so I remember, so I've been on your email list for a while now. And I remember that sometime in 2020, it was the October of 2020, you actually sent out one email and it is just stuck in my head. And I've subscribed to a lot of newsletters, but that one particular subject, it's just stuck in my head and it's changed. Every time I think of mindset, that subject line just pops up. It, so that subject was, are you thinking like a CEO? It was everything. It was a game changer. And I think you need to tell our audience about that mindset because I think it's really powerful. I love it. I'm so excited that it's stuck. I just, I really love this idea of thinking like a CEO. A lot of us think of us as freelancers. And as a freelancer, your main focus is getting the main job. But if you start thinking as a CEO, then your focus shifts and you start thinking about being profitable and running a business and doing things that make sense for your business and things that you would accept as a freelancer, you will not necessarily accept as a CEO. So it comes down to make sure that your pricing is profitable, making sure that you outsource all the things that you're doing that don't, it doesn't make sense that you are the one doing them. Because if you're a CEO, let me tell you that if you're the CEO, you're not doing all these little itty bitty things that you're spending so much time on. It's also taking time working on your business. And so looking at the numbers, and I know it's not very sexy, but looking at the numbers of your business and actually have an idea of what, how your business is doing. Because a lot of freelancers don't really know how their business is doing. And having a CEO mindset is really looking at the big picture and the growth of your business. And I think the impact of having this CEO mindset is really about growing beyond finding clients and getting out of this mindset of just, I need to find the next client because it's not about that. It's about creating a business that is profitable and brings you joy and is successful in your own terms. And being successful is not necessarily finding a lot of clients and having a lot of clients. It's finding the right clients. It's growing in a way that feels right to you and maybe for you and for me it is right now it's working four days a week it's not having more clients it's having less clients that are the ideal clients and that will bring you the kind of life that you want so having a CEO mindset for me is super important and and it will really influence what type of clients you're working with the price that you're charging and how you present yourself to clients so 
Yeah, it's super important. And I love that question. Well, it's been such a game changer because we are constantly working in our business. And like you said, we need to work on our business. And that is a huge difference. It's something that has come to me much later. I did not start that way. So for me, that email is always very special. It's still in my inbox. It's from 2020. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's excellent. But so tell me one thing for that. Like we've been talking about client experience, right? And you kind of enlighten us constantly about the importance of client experience. How did you learn how important client experience is? Like, did something happen? Was there an experience like your own personal or professional experience that made you really realize how important this was, what a game changer it was in running your own business? Was there like a aha, a light bulb moment for you? What was that? So it started because of a low moment. <laughs> oh. I, <laughs> I was working, I had talked to my friend at that point about Upwork. He mentioned, you know, that Upwork was a great platform to work and he had helped me with putting together a profile. And he said, you know, you need to send proposals and stuff. And I was sending, I don't know, five to 10 proposals each day. I got nothing back. And I was like, oh my God, this is so depressing. And I did that for like a month and it was just, nothing was happening. And so I I sat down and I'm like, okay, this is not working. I've been doing this for a month. I got a few answers here and there, but nothing, you know, it was not. Upwork is a big platform. There's a lot of photographers, but there's also a lot of jobs, but I need to find a way to do something different. Obviously, I am not doing anything different than the other ones and I'm not standing out. So I need to do something different. So I spent some time to go and I was looking at what other photographers would do. So I would look at other food photographers and other product photographers, and I couldn't notice anything particularly different about what they were doing. So I kept on looking. And that is when I discovered the magical world of wedding photographers. Wedding photographers have a whole slew of templates and magazines and this and their client experience is amazing. Like from beginning to end, the bride is taken care like nobody else. And I thought, but you know what? Those catalogs and those those magazines and all those things that they do, those are really great. Why don't we do that? And because between my diving days and my food photography days, I did some graphic design. I knew how how to do that. I'm like, I'm going to do that. And so I created my first welcome guide and I sent my first proposals. And out of like the first five I sent, I got like four replies. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. This is working. Amazing. Oh, wow. So you have like a real success story to back up that. (laughs) I mean, that hypothesis literally. It was night and day. It was literally night and day. And like, it was so interesting to see how, like I used to send like this big, long cover letter email and I would attach some pictures and I just took everything that I had in my email and then those pictures and put them in a welcome guide and added some stuff. And all of a sudden I had, I was making a difference. People were noticing me, which I think is if you receive, like I have posted jobs on Upwork and if you post a job, you can receive up to like 50 replies. And I could see on the side of the person who's trying to hire how difficult it would be to choose from those 50 people. But if you have one that is doing something really different and that makes it super easy on you to kind of see exactly what it is they do and how they do it, That's a no-brainer, I think. And you just created a template, and that template is what worked its magic, literally, right? Exactly. (laughs) It's my magic template. (laughs) (laughs) No, perfect. So whenever we talk about client experience, like, really, I put myself in the shoes of a customer. So I walk into a restaurant, and then the food can be amazing, right? But there are so many different places where I feel like I'm judging the restaurant. It's the entire, we love experiences. We love the entire shebang. Like we want a good server. We want them to address us by our names. We want the manager to come and ask us, how is the food? We love good music. And it's just everything, like the entire spectrum. So if when we walk out of a restaurant, the food is one part of, you know, rating the experience. It's everything else that comes with it. So 
when we talk about food photography, what would you say are the various touch points where we have the opportunity to elevate that client experience? Every single one. Like there's so yeah. many of them. I think the first one and the most important is when you reply to an inquiry. Right. Uh, and that's kind of how I started with my welcome guide because the difference between receiving a welcome guide versus a super long email that you don't really want to read that goes through all the details about, you know, what I offer, what I do, how I do it, blah, blah, blah. But if you receive it in a welcome guide, it's a, well, it's a game changer. Then you have making sure that you have a discovery call. So the discovery call, I think, is super important. And a lot of photographers skip it because they're afraid of getting on the phone. But I think it's very important to have a discovery call and to run it well and to pay attention to what the client is saying. Because a lot of people think that a discovery call is about them selling themselves. It is not. It is about listening to what the client has to say and what his project is about. Then I think the next step is sending the proposal. I think I have sent proposals that were like a number in an email or sending a actually really well-designed proposal with like uh, some details about the project and how you're going to actually do it is very important. Then you have the onboarding, you have the mood board in the shot list, you have delivering images, you have collecting feedback. I mean, every single touch point, you can make a difference. So yes, there's so many that you can do to uh, create exceptional client experience. Just like you were saying, if you go to a restaurant, that the food is amazing, but the server is French and very rude and, <laughs> and you have plastic cutlery and it's trying to change the whole experience. So you need to think about all these touch points. Sorry for my French fellows out there. It was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but what that means is that we need to think about it, that we need to think about every single place where we are interacting with our clients. We have that opportunity to turn them into a returning client, that we need to think about it. And so often we are lost in our own process that we forget this, which is why I think it's such a great answer. I love it, that every single aspect has the potential to elevate the experience. But tell me one thing, Finette, do you think that by adopting systems and by getting efficient and systematic in our own process, we can book our dream client? Do you think that's possible? And what skill do you think we need for that? I think it is. So I think it's hard to say there's one skill to be able to book our dream client, but there's a couple. And I think mindset is kind of a skill for me. It's, a, it's like a muscle that you need to work on. And that is a very important one. And it leads me to persistence because I, I hear a lot of photographers who reach out to their ideal client mm, and then they don't, yeah. they don't hear back. And then they're like, oh no, I, they don't want to work with me. And I'm like, you reach out to them once and you yes. think they don't want to work with you. So persistence is one thing because you need to reach out several times before it actually anything can come out of it. So that's the main thing. And the second thing that is so important that we disregard so many times is communication. Communication skills are so little talked about. It is so important the way that you present yourself, the way that you talk to your clients, because most often, especially in this world, you don't meet the client until shoot day. Right. If, if ever, like for, for example, I shoot a lot of stuff remotely where I never actually get to shoot with the client or meet him. So emails and discovery calls are the only way that they actually get to connect with you. So the way that you communicate and present yourself on those emails and on those templates and when you talk to them on the phone is so important. And we completely disregard this. And there's a lot to be said about learning how to communicate and using the right words and the right stance and all that stuff. And it's, I, it's another geeky subject that I haven't quite touched on, but I think I, I might add that to my calendar for 2022 because <laughs> I think it's so important. And I yeah. just watched a TED Talk the other day about that. So that's also oh. what made me think about that. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So tell us some of the most powerful applications that can really change the way we create and we manage and we deliver projects. Like what are your go-tos and the applications that you just cannot function without? So I think the first one would be a good CRM. That's a client relationship management tool. Like I use the Psado, but there's so many ones like uh, HoneyBook or, oh, there's many, but I can't remember any of the other ones. Those are the two that I use because they allow you to 
create invoices and contracts in a few minutes and you can keep track of your clients and they're just a really solid tool to run a business and some of the parts of your business. I would say also I couldn't live with an online gallery, like sending images to my client in a Google folder or a Dropbox. No, thank you. I like to have a gallery. So that's, I couldn't live without that. And then Canva, where I make all my templates, of course. I used to use Illustrator, but now that I work with a virtual assistant, it's nicer to use Canva because it's, you know, anybody can make changes. Right. And then my king tool of all is Notion right now, where I keep all my everything. All my life is in Notion at this point. <laughs> wow. So. What is Notion? Tell us about Notion. Notion is a, it's an everything. <laughs> it's a note-taking app. It started as a note-taking app, but really it's a tool where you can, oh, it does so many things, it's hard to explain. You can create dashboards and basically it's based on databases. And I know it's, it's a scary word, but a database is just a collection of information. And those databases can be linked together to create like I don't know how to explain Notion. That's funny. <laughs> I work with it so much and I just can't explain it. It's just, um, it's a tool that allows me to keep all my information and to find it at the snap of a finger. Oh, but super. it's, yeah, it's amazing. I just, I absolutely love it. It's all about staying organized, isn't it? It is. Awesome. So I know that you've used so many applications and you've made like big shifts in your workflow and the way you've been delivering projects. You've just been learning and improvising. And I remember a story, which is also stuck in my head, where you were able to renegotiate your fees with your existing clients because of how you changed the way you use systems. Tell our audience about that. So I know exactly which story you're talking about. And it was actually, no, I did not reorganize my workflows and system. I ha so I don't, I rarely do like big shifts, but I do tweak a little bit over time. There's like, like I said, every quarter or so I look at my projects and I'm like, oh, this could be done better and this could be done better. So I'm always tweaking and I'm making sure it's always the best that it can be. But I improve, I try to improve my business, I think, as a CEO and uh, delegate what I can. I try to always be learning new techniques to improve the quality of my images. I attend workshops. I upgrade my equipment regularly. I have to pay those staff members that work with me. And all of this translates into higher overhead costs. Right. So regularly... It's part of my regular workflow. I contact my client and I say, I'm about to raise my prices because of this, this, and this. And also, well, this year, I believe the inflation. And like a year like this year, inflation has been really impacting the costs of everything. Like if you go buy some ingredients in the stores, everything is much more expensive. So you need to reflect that onto how much you charge to your client. So I regularly update my pricing and I let my client know. And my clients, they, they understand. They know that I have my fees are higher and I explain to them that, you know, I have my equipment and I have my staff and all that stuff. So regularly I will contact my client and say, hey, I'm about to raise my prices just so you know. And I mean, they're, they're running a business too. They get it. They totally get it. Right. And has anyone ever protested or thought or have you lost a client because of that? I have not, but if I was to lose a client because of that, I would think that this is not a good client for me because then they're not thinking like a CEO. It's it's just, it's business practices to raise your prices. And if you don't understand that your photographer is raising his prices, then I don't know, you don't, you don't think like a business. You don't think of me as a business and probably we shouldn't be working together then. Absolutely agree on that. So pricing is one part, but have your clients ever complimented you have they ever have you received like raving feedback or great reviews from them just because of the experience that you're able to deliver or just you know that you've had a little bit of validation of the systems that you use my clients are amazing and they they often let me know how awesome it is to work with me and there's a reason for that is because I asked them. <laughs> I ask for feedback. I make sure to ask for feedback and reviews because those are super important into getting the next client. Wow. So I asked for reviews. I asked for feedback and they are 
always raving about how easy it is to work with me. And they're also often complimenting me about the work that I produce for them. And that I don't think that I'm more talented than most photographers, but I certainly go the extra mile to understand what the client wants. And I ask all the questions to make sure that I produce exactly what they need. So I think this is super important as well to make sure that you have satisfied client is that to spend the time to understand what it is that they want, what their needs are and how they're going to use the images. So, and of course, all these great feedback, then I'm able to produce it either on my website or on my social media or in my templates and that of course, allows me to gain new clients. Although I will say that for me, what is the most important is referrals. And my clients definitely refer me to their friends and other businesses for sure. That's incredible because the one thing that I've seen somewhat is that when you work really well with a client and you create great imagery for them, they don't want to share you. Have you ever had such an experience? Not so much, no, because I, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I didn't have that. Interesting or amazing. Well, you've taught us so much. You're like full (laughs) of all this awesome like tech information. How did you learn it? Like, did you learn it on the job when you were an admin assistant or have you been continuously teaching yourself even throughout your photography career? Like, where does the bulk of the knowledge come from? I cannot function without a coach. I've since... And before I could afford it, I had a coach. Like my first coach was, she was a food blogger and she was starting a online course and she ran it as like a coaching program the first year. And I signed up with her and it was for me at the at back end, it was so expensive. It was like a thousand dollars. And for me, it was everything. And oh, wow. I, I got it back so many times. I mean, it was the best investment I've ever made, but it was a lot of money and I signed up and she, she helped me so much. And after that, I worked with several different photography mentors and business coaches and I'm always trying to learn something and I actually have in my calendar, usually from four to five every day, I try to have an hour where it's about learning and reading and and doing that. But that being said, I find that I see it in other photographers and I see it in myself. It's important to make time to implement because I find it very easy to get trapped in the learning cycle and not actually put it into practice. So I'm trying to be better about taking the stuff that I learn and actually implementing it because it's so important. But yeah, I've learned from people, I've learned from doing, and um, I couldn't work without a coach. I just, I love working with somebody, having somebody to bounce ideas off of and having a different perspective because when you're a photographer, you're alone in your studio. And if you don't have anybody to bounce your ideas off of, then it's really difficult. I mean, I have my husband, but he's not a photographer, so he doesn't necessarily get it. But it's super important to have somebody to talk to and business coaches are life for me. I love it. How important would you say is a coach for someone who runs a photography business? Is it subjective or do you think that you would have started your photography business differently if you had a coach right from the beginning or perhaps you already had one right from the beginning? How important is it? I think you, so I didn't have her at the right at the beginning. I had already been working for like a year, I think, at that point, a year and a bit. And I think at the very beginning, a coach might be a little overkill because you kind of need to figure out what it is that you like doing and how you like to do things. And you also need to do your mistakes, I think, and learn by doing and by failing, because I think it's just as important as succeeding. Right. But once you have seen a little bit of what you can do and how you like to do things, then having a coach, I think, is, is a great idea. And how do you find time to do all the learning between your client projects and content creation and everything and your courses? And how do you find that time? How do you make the time to learn something new? I have a very regimented schedule that I don't always follow, but at the beginning of the week, well, actually the Friday before I kind of plan my week and I have like, I batch my time. So I know that from this time to this time, I'm going to be doing this and then I'm going to be doing this. So I don't waste time in the morning getting to my desk and thinking, what am I going to do today? Oh, I don't know. I should do this. And I use a system called Pomodoro, which is... I work in sprints of 25 minutes. So I set a timer for 25 minutes 
I do something for 25 minutes. So my phone is away, everything is away, email is closed, everything. And then I do this for 25 minutes, I take a five minute break, and then I do this again. And you're supposed to do like four of them and then take a longer break. Yeah. And when I do that, I don't always do it because it's sometimes you just want to go with the flow. But right. when I do this, man, I get so much done. Really? Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I have to check out the system. I think the key is just closing out your distractions and just doing what you're doing without picking up your phone, without checking your emails, without answering yeah. the door, letting the dog bark. Like you just have to keep going. Amazing. Good headsets. Good headsets is yeah. very important. <laughs> and making sure also that you know when you do your best work, because I know right. I'm definitely a morning person. So I schedule my very focused time in the morning, but I know my husband is an evening guy, so he does mm. his thing at night. So we all have our own right. cycles and it's important to know when you're the most efficient and when you're the most creative, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that in the beginning you said that you didn't particularly like all the systems that you learned as an admin assistant, but if I had to ask you today, what do you think? Do you love them? Do you hate them? So I like systems because weirdly enough, they allow me to be creative. Before I had systems, I was kind of a loose cannon flying by the seam of my pants. And that didn't <laughs> work for me. I would get on set and I would be like, uh, I have no idea what I'm going to shoot today. And it always ended up in like poor images and mm. frustration. But if I have a system where I kind of plan the shoot beforehand and I prepare and I sketch and I do that. And when I get on, on shoot day, I just get in my set and I know exactly what I want to shoot. And it just, it's so much easier. And it creates right. that mental space where I don't, I'm not bogged down with trying to come up with ideas on the spot. I can actually execute on the idea I already have. And I feel that it's a lot more creative for me. It just creates that space of, yes, let's do this. Let's have yeah. fun with this rather than, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, so... You've got to love them. You've got to love being organized. I mean, it's, yeah. it's everything. It, it changes everything. So I'm on my last question. And so as creatives or as new business owners, the whole journey, the whole process of what lies ahead can be so intimidating. I mean, you have to first work on your skills. You have to learn your technique. Then you have to pitch. You have to go and find your client. Then you have to grow your business. You have to elevate that experience. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about, right? So what would be your one advice to new business owners on how to find clients and then turn them into returning clients? One thing at a time. So make a plan of what you want to work on. And I always recommend working on your portfolio first. And then do that one thing. And then once you have a portfolio you're happy with, then start doing another thing. And you can do a little few things here and there, but don't try to do the portfolio, the finding client, the creating your client experience all at the same time, because it doesn't work. You need to take steps, focus on one thing at a time. And I know, like you said, it's very intimidating and it's scary. So acknowledge that you're scared, but do it anyway, because the things that used to scare me are now second nature today. So it's so important to know that what is so scary to you is going to become second nature and that if you want to grow, you need to get out of your comfort zone. So just acknowledge that you're scared and do it anyway. And even if it's slow, it's still progress. So even if it takes time, you're still moving forward. So Exactly. Love that advice. Fenneth, thank you. This has been such a fantastic episode. That's why I just posted on my stories and I called you fabulous Fenneth. Because <laughs> that's, that's what this episode is. I mean, applications and systems and technology can be so dry, but you make them fun. You make them come alive. And even when I look at your templates visually, they literally, I can feel finite in them. I feel a sense of branding and I feel like, I feel like I want to see more. So me as your audience, me as your follower, me as someone who subscribed, you elevate my experience as well. So I can only imagine what it does to your clients. So thank you so much for being so generous and sharing with us all this good knowledge. We have a lot to think about. <laughs> you have <left us> with <laughs> a lot to think about. But before you go, can you tell us where we can find you and all your awesome courses? Thank you for all your kind words. It really um, it means a lot because sometimes, you know, it can, it can feel a little lonely sometimes when you just 
putting yourself out there, especially with Instagram being what it is these days and the reach being what it is. It's just like, am I doing something for someone or am I just helping the Instagram algorithm? So thank you for saying those words. It really uh, means a lot. And you can find me uh, on Instagram at Frenchly Photography. I also have a blog, which is French.ly, where I post new articles every other week. And then where I share the most is on my newsletter. So if you want to get on the newsletter as well, that's a good idea. And then I'm looking at opening a template shop sometime this quarter because I have so many templates and I need to put them out into the world because there's just so, so much that you can do with <laughs> templates. <laughs> so that's going to be my next project is having a template shop so that people can get you know help with their templates and their emails and all that good stuff. And then I have a program called the Edit Framework, which is a group coaching program. And, and I have a lot of projects for 2022. <laughs> You're <laughs> going to be, be a lot happening. <laughs> I am going to be busy for sure. Well, automate, delegate, and template. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you, Fennett. It was such a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. I was very excited to be here and it was really fun talking to you today. That was Fennett. And wasn't she fabulous? I told you she's fabulous. I mean, come on. She told us so much that we probably miss out on. There are so many touch points that we need to think about. There is so much scope for us to elevate a client's experience. So they keep coming back to us and only to us. And not just that, it's also our own workflow and what we can do to develop our own skills, to make time for our own learning and to become better in our own technique. She is fabulous. That's how I'm going to call her moving forward. Guys, if you have any questions about systems or finding clients or anything about templates or automation, please feel free to send them to me or to Finette. You know where to find her and we'll be happy to answer all your questions. All right, go check out her website. Go check out her Instagram. She's a really, really fun person to hang out and to check out her stories. All right, so with that, I'm going to be back with another episode next week. Until then, automate, delegate, and template. <laughs> All right, guys, see you next week. Bye-bye.